This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. What a day, what a day. I got to tell you, extraordinary day today. We had earlier this afternoon, we had a press conference over at the Capitol Hill Club, uh, which is in Washington, D.C. It's um, it's one of the kind of leading places to go for Republicans. And we had planned this yesterday. And we flew in some key people who are uh, uh, from Michigan and from Arizona, um, electors who are sort of part of a rival slate for the, uh, uh, you know, the duel, we call it dueling slates of electors to fight this election and uh, to fight for the fact that there's too much impropriety, too much that had gone wrong, and we needed to get to the bottom of it. Well, we flew them in. And we had this thing set up. And then this morning, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell came out and said, yeah, well, President-elect uh, Biden, he's got it. You know, that was it. And we were blindsided by this because I don't know why as much problem as has existed, as many problems has, that have come to the fore, why anybody would roll over and say, oh, yeah, that was that. It mind-boggling to me. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, but there you have it. So um, so we sort of scrambled a bit, and there were uh, four or five of us from the original coalition of people who were fighting uh, Stop the Steal me uh alan bruce uh, uh, i always say it wrong uh bruce bruskowitz bruskowitz uh ali alexander uh and jenny beth martin and a few others and so there we were and we had these electors that came in and so we had a little bit of a different tone we were like hey man this is unbelievable i can't believe this happened and uh you know why would the president say that now <laughs> alex uh alex bruskowitz is a little bit more uh harsh than i am he was like blasting away at mitch mcconnell but here's the thing and I'm telling you this, I got emails. We had the, the White House had a press conference at one. Our thing started at two. Our event, which was kind of a press conference sort of a thing, got more views on right, uh, on, on uh, right side broadcasting than, uh, than the White House press briefing. But here's what I got from people all afternoon long. I got emails from people saying, my gosh, I can't believe that, um, we have so few Republicans who are willing to go to bat for us in this case. And why is it that the Republicans aren't standing up for Donald Trump? And it's pretty um, <clears throat> it's pretty clear to me that the Republican leadership thinks it's the Tea Party, thinks it's the Tea Party, but it's not. And the establishment thinks it's the Tea Party, but it's not the Tea Party. And they're running a very bad risk. Because the risk is that you think that you're doing the Tea Party where you just kind of wait them out and all that. But it's not if it's not the Tea Party, then what, what are you going to do? Because I don't think people are going to come out to the polls. And by, by the way, let me be clear. I've said over and over again, I believe that we should um, uh, we should definitely be voting. People should be voting in every election. I am not someone that thinks you should not vote in an election. Very important. Say it over and over and over again. Don't be someone who says, oh, I'll sit this election out. That's not a smart thing to do. It's always smarter to vote in the election. And even when you find someone who is sort of moderately, you know, not 100% your guy or gal, you still have to make a choice. You know, the late Phyllis Schlafly, for whom I worked, used to love to tell the story. She'd say, if you want a third party, fourth party, fifth party, you can go to, you can go ahead and go to uh, Europe. But if you, in America, there's two parties. So you got to make one party your party and the other one is not your party. And in the old days, there was a time where people could be a Democrat and be pro-life, pro-constitution, not anymore. 
The Democrats ran the last of the pro-lifers out of their party. They did it intentionally. Nancy Pelosi and AOC primaried Dan Lipinski of Chicago, who was pro-life. And he was the last pro-life member of the Democratic House Caucus. Now, technically, I think Bob Casey, the Democrat from Pennsylvania, the senator, he calls himself pro-life, but he doesn't vote very pro-life. But anyway, my point is the Democrat Party gave that up. They gave up God in their platform. They gave pro-life. So you have to pick a party. And does that mean that the Republican Party is good enough all the time? No. It does mean that you got to pick a party and make it better. That's what I believe. So anyway, back to my point. Vote in Georgia, vote in Georgia, vote in Georgia. If you live in Georgia, vote in Georgia. But here's what I'm, I'm, I'm pointing out. There's a major miscalculation that the, that the Republicans are doing by not stepping up and fighting for this president now. Even if you think it's a long shot, even if you think it's a tough shot, even if you think it's buckshot, even if you think it's whatever shot, you got to take your shot because the American people are sitting here and they're saying, where are the people who fight for Trump like he fights for me? That's what they're feeling. That is literally what they're feeling. They're feeling like this guy fights for me and I can't see why people aren't fighting for him. That's what they're feeling. That's the reality. And the thing is, while the people are going to, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to be one of the people that says, go out and vote, go out and vote, go out and vote. I'm, again, I'm not saying don't go out and vote. What I am saying is there's a risk here. There's a risk here that people don't understand, which is that too many people are going to be disheartened. And by the way, after this press conference, it was a great success. And, uh, and we talked about a lot of stuff. And people were emailing me and texting and saying, why is it that people aren't fighting back? I'm telling you. They're making a terrible mistake in terms of the judgment of, of what's happening. And it, it may cost them, it may cost America, uh, but it's amazing to see. Anyway, it's a huge success. We had a great time, a big crowd, and um, we, uh, we had lots of people that were, uh, that were pretty fired up about what was going on, and so it was good. Um, now, where are we? Where are we? This is what I want to tell you. I want to make sure that you understand uh, that we, here's the position we're in. We are in the position... That um, that the is um, that the um, the three battle front, three fronts of our battle are still active. Remember, one is legal, legal battles at the states. You know, today I was with an Arizona state rep. He said there's evidence that people voted in uh, that pe- illegals voted in the election. We got to get to the bottom of that. There's this, that, and the other thing. Lots of legal battles. Then there's the constitutional battles, and here's where we are with that. Yes, the Electoral College voted. Yes, seven of the states had disputed electors. So now we have a disputed electorship. You know, there's going to be a, a dispute to be taken up. And then the next date is January 6th. At, on January 6th, the U.S. Congress will meet in a joint session to accept the results of the Electoral College or reject them. They can reject them if they think that they are problematic. And if and in this case, already we have uh, Mo Brooks, congressman from Alabama, who has said, I, I think I, I'm going to reject them. I'm going to object. And then when there's an objection, each chamber, House and Senate goes off. And for two hours, they have a debate and then they vote. Now, you can expect that Nancy Pelosi will be holding her caucus together and vote it down. And the question is whether the Republicans in the Senate will step up. It doesn't look like they will. But if they don't, I got to tell you. It's a kind of end, in my opinion. I don't think that you can survive as a party in terms of people staying in office. You better all be quitting if you're going to not stand up and fight. Um, 
I just don't know. So we're going to see. So that's moving ahead. And then here's the thing. Here's the great thing. The propaganda fight. The propaganda fight. People, you know, I told you the third front in the battle is the information war. And we're getting ahead of that. We're doing better than we have. People are getting the message. They're starting to hear things. And we've got a chance. Uh, and, and, uh, and we've got to keep fighting for it. And I think that's the big front that you're going to see uh, uh, people understanding wh- how to band together. But they're paying attention to people like General Flynn, you know, General Flynn's message. I mean, what he has said, how he said it, what's going on. It's an extraordinary. It's an extraordinary moment. So watch for that. And uh, we got a couple good guests today. I want, I'm looking forward to hearing from Ted Malik. Ted Malik kind of feels like it's over. I know he told me that. He thinks he doesn't know how. He doesn't think the Republicans have any stomach to fight. And he thinks it's just going to be over. And so that's kind of a disappointment. There's another Dr. Rav, uh, Ravi Singh. Uh, Ravi Singh, who is an expert on the internet, social media. Well, here what he has to say. My question there is the propaganda, the fake news, it's brainwashing. And it's pretty darn effective. And my meaning it's it's made a half that made a third of the country crazy. It's made half of the country believe things that aren't true about Trump and others. I mean, it's really extraordinary. So we'll ask him about that. But listen, want to finish up and we'll get to this at the end of the show. I got a couple things to cover, but be encouraged, be hopeful, be energized. I had someone say, man, I watched that press conference. Everybody else sounded down. They sounded like, oh, they're down. And don't be down. Don't be down. And don't give up right now in this present because there is still pathways to success and the constitution talks about january 20th that's the biggest date all the other things you have to try to exhaust they matter i'm not saying they don't matter the electoral college does matter but when there's a, a, a when there is a contested electors in michigan the electors were not allowed to go in and vote the republicans there's contested electors and again if you vote it down if you say well we don't care we don't care about the fraud okay that's what the con- that's what the constitution com- uh contemplated we'll go for it We'll see what happens. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, don't forget, by the way, go to pro, pro, excuse me, proamericareport.com to get the daily email, daily wink, and also follow on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin, at Eagle Ed Martin, and Facebook, Ed Martin Live, and we will be back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome, 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 welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Our next guest is a very interesting topic and a very interesting man. And I, I just was, uh, I have to, I can't resist, uh, Doc. I was just talking to him uh, off the air and I said, hey, can you give me your email address? And he gave it to me. He's an MIT grad, of course. So it's got, he's got an MIT, uh, MIT address. So first of all, welcome, uh, Dr. Singh. How are you? And uh, if you go to Dr., excuse me, RaviSingh.com is a website where you can listen to podcasts, see his writing, R-A-V-I-S-I-N-G-H for the full name how are you sir good good ed thank you for having me well you're very welcome and and the topic i want to talk to you about is uh and and it was flagged for me is this uh what youtube is doing with uh removing our uh removing videos about the election but maybe i want to pull back before we get to that and just say you know you sure. you are literally a you're an mit you know you're a, you're i don't know you're in rocket rocket uh what is it <laughs> you know rocket engineer yeah. but you're literally an advanced scientist and i want to ask you what is the power of the way we live our lives and the power of YouTube, meaning our brains are exposed and are managed by the, the internet and social media and all it's, it's not just sort of persuasive. It's like science, isn't it? 
Yeah, it, it is 100% correct. And you're, you know, let me clarify for you. I, mean, I, have a, I have one of the first PhDs in social media and technology in the United States. And um, I did finish an MIT course at the Sloan Business School. But I tell uh-huh. you what I've learned from academia, right, by being a practitioner, right. is that everything yep. now is changing. <clears throat> Right, the way we do things, how we're doing things, how big tech companies are actually designing tech. What we saw technology doing 10, 20 years ago, literally half the world's population is on some form of social media. And a lot of people underestimate YouTube. They think of Google as being the number one search, but believe it or not, YouTube is, is used probably more than Google itself, you know, even though it's owned by Google. So it, it is mm-hmm. a, a very strong, a medium for social networking. A lot of us don't think of it as a social network. And, you know, and for your audience, a social network is really more or less like an ecosystem. It's basically where we all belong to the same kind of community and we're all participating within that network. And here in YouTube, we're watching videos and believe it or not, we are socializing to some degree. We are engaging, we are commenting, we are sharing, we are liking. And by and we are watching, right? More so than we do on right. Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're reading, and then we're in tw- on Facebook. We're more or less reacting, right? Um, and then LinkedIn, mm-hmm. we're more or less networking, you know. And Snapchatting, right. we're more snap, you know. We're, and Instagram, we're taking more right. photos. So each network has a voice of their own, and I and I call it your social media voice. And there's no different. Even the president, Donald Trump, has his own voice, very strong on Twitter. So everyone has their own voice. Right. We're talking with Dr. Ravi Singh. By the way, you beat me to it. I was going to come around to this because in your biography, you go to ravisingh.com. It describes your father was a medical doctor. So what we call in America in this fight right now, a real doctor. And then he said this quote, which is your you you put it on your page that I told my son to become a doctor. And what does he do? He becomes a doctor of watching cat videos on social (laughs) networks, which was fantastic. I love your dad's sense of humor. So. All right. So now slide with me towards. Um, what I say is the fake news. And, and when I say that sure. the fake news in the fall at the election, what I, 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 flo- I, I fold in there the tech companies in a way. What I mean is fake information in the sense that they're picking and choosing what the American people get to know. So an yes. easy one is Hunter Biden's laptop. You know, Hunter Biden's laptop, everybody says, don't look here. It might be Russian disinformation. Now we know it wasn't. That's an easy one. The bigger, I mean, an easy one to see in a way. What I mean is the, the sort of, much more granular impact of knowing what your preferences are and steering you away from it. And so in, in a weird way, Dr. Singh, it's, it's funny to me that YouTube was so blatant about saying, we'll take down the YouTube videos about the presidential election because there's a million ways they steer you without ever announcing it. I mean, it was a little surprise to me. So you, 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 let's, let's go back a little bit. So in 2005, YouTube was created, right, to create a video site so we can share all this information. Never in the history of all social media, of all, you know, uh, Internet presence, have we ever seen social media companies take such an active role in labeling, banning, suspending social media accounts on any topic. And what, is, what we're seeing is, just to give your audience a, a metric here, this is the first time that YouTube has interfered by giving their view of what they deem is correct and what is not correct. And I will tell you the quantity number, 8,000 channels were suspended in this election alone that mentioned anything about election fraud. 
So if you said there was an election huh. fraud or violation and you posted a YouTube video of it, they would take it down before it was even seen. Wow. But but why would they in this? Yes. But so my point is that they can steer you or me or anybody if they want with a, without having to announce that they're taking down a, a, a you know, the um, the the YouTube videos that say something. And I guess my point is that should be more scary to people than when they admit they're going to take down certain things. You, don't you agree? Uh, well, I agree 100 percent. I mean, we're, we're in historical times. I mean, this podcast, everyone else. We, we've never seen this kind of behavior before, and 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 trust me, I, I I just I keep on getting frustrated. Even preparing for this, you know, this interview with you, I kept on saying, I can't believe this is actually happening. You know, and and, and right. the fact that we, we we have always looked at the utopia of the internet, we've always looked at the the fact that social media was the where we could actually voice our own concerns. And I, I'm going to tell you and tell your audience, if we don't start speaking up, if we don't start speaking out about this aggressively on these platforms, they're, they're going to think that they can get away with this. And you mentioned the Hunter Biden example, and, 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 and a lot of people on Twitter start, did start speaking up, and within 24 hours, they changed it. They changed the policy because they heard how upset people were about it, and they realized they had made a mistake. They could not ban a major publication's Twitter account. And so there is some interesting dynamics here. They're testing. They're like children right now. They're testing the waters with their audience. They're saying, how far can we take this? And do we have right. to comply with you know, government regulations, or can we hide being a private company or a publicly traded company? And can we just make up their own rules ourselves and, and actually start sharing our, you know, our way of monitoring it? And in all fairness to Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, I'm not a naysayer. I believe that they serve a greater purpose to all of humanity. And in fact, I, I, I you know, because I, I'm a professor of that, I love the platforms. I think they, they've been great enablers. I just think this is historical and unprecedented. Uh, and we're seeing a paradigm shift where they're thinking that they can actually say what they are in terms of guardians of truths or the truth, you know, uh, you know, labelers. And my question right. will be, be is that, okay, they do this for Donald Trump. Is Twitter going to do this for the other 37 languages and the other countries that are also tweeting and other world leaders? You know, will YouTube right. now also start monitoring and translating, you know, videos from, you know, India and Brazil and other elections? And will they start labeling mm-hmm. these too? So, I mean, we, we're just seeing what is happening in the United States. But so far, all the efforts show that this is a directed, you know, attempt at Donald Trump. And I feel for the president because it fits the narrative that something is seriously wrong. Like, why would they why would they do this? All, all of them. I mean, YouTube was the last one to move. I mean, Twitter was probably the harshest. Facebook second. YouTube was not. They moved a little slower, but they still participated. Yeah, we're talking with uh, Dr. Ravi Singh. And again, it's ravisingh.com. You see a bunch of his writing, his blog and uh, other things there. Um, so let me let me I heard someone say this is not original to me. So I, but I don't remember who right now. Um, if the federal government, if the government allows YouTube to do this effectively. So when when someone jumps up and says, oh, my gosh, it's censorship, the obvious answer is, well, it's a private company. And, you know, then we could debate, oh, well, right. but it's, it's not really. It's the public square, it's, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing that someone else said. If you have a company that effectively has been given protection from the government under the law and regulations to allow them to act like this, 
you've effectively effectively even either uh, you know sponsored censorship or sort of just allowed it to occur and in this case that's what the argument would be you know that they're censoring so i guess my point is if you if you believe something is wrong what do you think you do about it i mean what 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 what, do you, what kind of recommendations can we what can we do to change it so uh, first of all one by this 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 attitude out there that we have to like disengage from these networks is not a solution. You know, in order for right. our voice to be he- heard, we have to make it louder and we have to raise it uh-huh. and we have to engage more. So the first thing I'll tell your audience is one, if you don't have a Twitter account, you don't have a YouTube account or a Facebook account, you should create one. And if you didn't have a reason to participate now, you do. Because what happens is we cannot allow social media to be just lopsided by one or dominated by one. And two, where you didn't think that you wanted to like or share something before or comment before, you need to. We, the other side needs to speak out. And unfortunately, I, you know, I am a red turban wearing Republican, so I'll make, I'll, you know, I'll clearly state that for the record. But I, I you know, I, I think the other side tends to be a little bit louder. They tend to be a little bit more opinionated, and we tend to be a little bit more conservative and don't necessarily voice our concerns actively on social media. And this is a problem right. because that voice then gets suppressed. It's, it becomes the minority within the social networks. And I will tell you, they watch this. The algorithms definitely show that when they see it swaying one way or another, they don't want to lose the audience. The audience is the power. So like I said, in, even in, in the New York Post, you know, Post situation, they, they did admit within 24 hours that that was a mistake. You know? And it, wasn't, right. it didn't come from Twitter, Inc. It came from Dorsey himself, from his personal account. And so I think it is very, very, very important that we start speaking out using these mediums. And I know there's been a lot of banning, but there's not a lot of suspension. And there's a difference. Suspending means they kick you off the platform. Banning means like, okay, they're going to, you know, just ban that, uh, what you have to say. And then flagging is, or labeling is something else. That's just basically saying we don't necessarily agree with you, and that might not be you know, accurate or, or truthful. And when it comes to Donald Trump, you know, they've just, They've labeled him every single way, and we've never his rise right. to power came from these mediums. So they, I think, very clearly, um, you know, I, I have no evidence of this, but it's, it makes theoretical sense that if he rose to power this way by labeling his messages, they have been able. Twitter has been able to show a twenty nine percent. Listen to this: twenty nine percent decrease in participation. So that means that his voice does not get circulated. They're like actually muzzling the president. Wow. That is, uh, that's amazing. All right. Unfortunately, uh, I have to go because time went fast. Dr. Ravi Singh, uh, worth reading his stuff. We'll have you back on again. I think I really want, I will do this because it's really an interesting, uh, topic and you have a perspective. So thanks for your time. And, uh, I will, uh, we'll look forward to it again and we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the pro America report back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here. Our old friend, Dr. Ted Malik, and tedmalik.com is his website, and he's got a gazillion books, and he's done all sorts of things. He's got a new piece out, though, over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. I'll put it up on social media. It says, Pride and Illegitimacy is the title. The 2020 elections call the legitimacy of the Democrats, their presidential candidate, and those down ballot as well into question. Welcome, Ted Malik. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks, Ed. 
Uh, so, uh, first of all, what do you, where do you think where we are? I mean, I'm still fighting away, hoping that there's uh, going to be some people that grow a spine and help. Uh, I mean, we've seen so much evidence of uh, voter fraud, voter irregularities, something wrong. It just feels like uh, people shouldn't give up. But I don't know. Maybe they maybe they will. I mean, what do you think about where we are? Well, the evidence is overwhelming. The you know, if there was is if there were an international commission on such, I think they'd say this is not just a contestable election, but one that should be recalled. Uh, but the Republicans, with a few exceptions, and, and there are some notable ones, uh, have basically <clears throat> caved in. They're spineless. And I see that Senator McConnell called Joe Biden president-elect, uh, you know, today on the Senate floor. So it's done. Yeah. You think it's done? Unfortunately, I do think it's done. I think, there'll, you know, there'll be some more protests. There'll be you know, some legal contests. Uh, I think there's a lot more evidence to show. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think this is being swept under the rug right in front of our eyes. And so back and then we move to your piece. I mean, at a certain point, imagine this. We're, we're actually headed into a maybe into a presidential term where the, the presidency is actually under a cloud of illegitimacy. They tried to say Trump's was because of Russia, 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 which turned out to be false, false, false. Correct. But I mean, your point is your point is it's really uh, a cloud of illegitimacy. I think this is uh, this will be an illegitimate presidency. Uh, I, I don't think it takes much to predict what we saw earlier this summer, although almost no one outside of the New York Post reported on it, that the Biden organized crime family is in with our enemies up to their eyeballs. We should have a special counsel now, not later, to um, produce all the evidence that Senator Johnson and Senator Grassley have just begun. But my point is a larger one, it, and it, it, while it has to do with illegitimacy, it has to do with human hubris, which in biblical language we call the sin of pride. And the left is very guilty of this down through the ages. From the first bite in the apple at the Garden of Eden, through all of the Old Testament, particularly in Ecclesiastes, I, I recommend chapter 10 in particular, we see that human beings are always trying to become God-like themselves. And the left is doing this again and again, has done it in the 18th, 19th, and predominantly 20th century. And uh, I think we have, uh, frankly, in this election, more evidence of the same um ted you've 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 been around and you've studied a lot you've written historical books i mean you've written about uh all kinds of figures and you've you, so you've seen this what's it like if we end up with a president biden in terms of i mean you know do people remember in the sense that day to day do they think it's illegitimate do they forget does it does it really matter i mean in some ways the power of the presidency is as strong as it's ever been and uh even though donald trump i think was more of a constitutionalist and a and someone who wanted a balance of powers you know that then then people realize it's got a ton of power the president's going to be in charge if it's president biden are people going to really notice what it does it does it mean anything to be illegitimate except for you know hist historians writing about it and you and i thinking about it well, I, I think on different levels it does make a difference. The moral one is the one you've just suggested. But I think even in terms of power, people will discredit what he's doing or trying to do. At least half of the citizens view his presidency as not one that is legitimate or fair, that was not attained properly. And I think uh, my larger point about American democracy is that 
And I'm getting calls like this from all over the world from friends who have either moved to America or are still trying to. And they're saying, America is no better than anybody else. It's the same as all these other three-bit pieces or third-world governments. Uh, and, they're, you know, they can't really put themselves on a pedestal. They're not a beacon anymore, a light in the dark. They're just the same fallen mass as everyone else. Uh, so, you know, you remember this famous story in my favorite city because I was born there, Philadelphia, in 1787 at convention when um, Benjamin Franklin, Dr. Franklin, left Independence Hall. Of course, we had our independence already. And a, a woman named Mrs. Powell shouted at him, Dr. Franklin, do we have a republic? And, of course, his reply was, Yes, if we can keep it. And I think that republic is slipping through our fingers uh, more and more every day and every month. Is um, is So in that sense, um, again, back to my question, what happens if it's an illegitimate government? I mean, is it, is it harder? I mean, this is going to sound silly, but is it harder to govern? <clears throat> is our reputation weaker in the world? I mean, we still have the biggest, baddest military, even if Joe Biden's yeah. going to do transgender in the military and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, so is it... Um, you know what's the what what happens down the line? I mean, here's another, here's a way to say it: Is there ever another free and fair election? That's an example. Is there ever going to be one of those again? It's a legitimate question to ask. If if we use the same voting techniques, if we allow massive, uh, you know, voting in advance without any verification, and if we have a system that is in fact run on Chinese software, then uh, we we really need to ask ourselves: Can we have elections? in the way we experienced them in the past? And the answer to that might be no, so we have to rethink that. But I think it does make governing more difficult. Uh, and I, and I, I will predict right here and right now that the third term of the um, uh, Obama presidency, which is what this is when you look at all the individuals, but they were all the deputies and has-beens in the past, are now being promoted you know, to full secretarial status. So I just heard some math of power. My God, it's going to come back. In, in, into the government, um, then I think what, what you know what we have is, is a government that is going to be a failure, that is going to produce a failed state, a failed government, and probably will be challenged very strongly. I hope in the midterms in in 22, and the Republicans will take control. It's not going to be hard to do. It's only a handful of seats now of the rep, of the House of Representatives and. I believe we'll win at least one, if not both, of those seats in Georgia already in January. So what we will also have is divided government. And that kind of gridlock, frankly, is preferable to one where Biden and his leftist cronies, if they take all the positions, then run the table and try to change America and cancel what was our country. It is um, it is uh, pretty uh, daunting, if not depressing, uh, to think about. I mean, uh, it, it is what is the so the best hope is that it, it ends up illegitimate means it's failed and therefore it, it changes. Uh, you know, things change pretty quickly. Is that that that's sort of the su- a thumbnail that if you were going to say, what do we do about this? Well, OK, we're going to we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to hope that you could change the, the direction. I guess one thing I, I wonder about is um, if you are going to ever really win. If you can't win this one with Trump, can you win any other presidential? I don't know if you can ever win a presidential race. Do you? Well, I, I don't want to be so forlorn as to think that that's impossible or the scenario doesn't exist. Uh, 
for that. I mean, we might have Trump to kick around again, to quote Dick Nixon, uh, or, you know, there could be other Trump-like characters. Or I think in the next generation of younger Republican leaders, there are also some people I like who have a backbone, two of them in the in the Senate, one of them is governor of Florida. You know, there are a handful of people that uh, they would, I'm going to use a term here that I'm reluctant to use, but I will use it. They, they will provide Trumpism without Trump. Right, right. Yeah, I think um, that's the uh, yeah. If there is, if there, you know, the, the the problem I see is can you can you um, can you ever actually get yourself back to uh, you know uh, winning? Because if if Trump can be rolled, it feels like anybody can be rolled. But maybe we'll we'll see. All right, what happens with the, what happens the day after inauguration in terms of the economy? You know, your your background as a businessman is is one I yeah. admire. I mean, does the economy does the economy uh, uh, tank? Does it hold steady because the fundamentals are all right? What's what's the story? Well, the, as I said before, the fundamentals are, are, are in good shape. He's inheriting a strong economy. We're obviously coming out of this uh, recession with a V-shaped recovery, thanks in large part to Trump. He never gets the thanks. Uh, we have the you know we have the vaccine, which is going into people's arms as we speak. That also is very encouraging, as we saw this week, to the stock market. Um, I think it will take between three and six months and a massive increase in taxes for the economy to begin to falter again. And then we'll be back to the anemic Obama economy, which Biden, of course, was part of in the past. And I think he will provide in the future. So I was asked the other day in the swimming pool, frankly, by an older guy, should I invest? I said yes and get out quickly. Huh. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm now trying to picture you in the swimming pool having conversation, investing in conversations uh, in advice. That sounds like a fun one. All right. Ted Malik, as always, Dr. Ted Malik, uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, we'll talk again very soon. And his piece is up over at AmericanGreatness.com. I'll put it up on social media. The title, again, is Pride and Illegitimacy. It's over on American Greatness uh, AmGreatness.com. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now continuing that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. They say that love makes the world go round, but money greases the wheels. When it comes to public policy, the same rule applies. Both liberals and conservatives claim that their economic policies help poor people get ahead. But they can't both be correct, can they? Let's examine right and left to settle this dispute once and for all. The left believes that the best way to help poor people is by creating new welfare programs to directly provide for the needy. Through a complex system of programs, poor people can apply to receive free food, free housing, free phone service, free education, and free cash. In theory, these services should give poor people the head start they need to go out and find success. In practice, far too often, it's just not the case. Of course, high taxes are needed to cover the costs of all these free services. The right believes in providing the poor with opportunities. With less government intrusion and lower taxes, businesses can rapidly expand the number of jobs they add to the market. To boost their own profits, companies are incentivized to provide the best and cheapest goods to consumers while paying good wages to secure the very best employees. Those lower taxes also extend to the employees further bolstering their take-home pay and giving them more opportunities to get ahead. The key difference between these two worldviews is incentive. 
With high taxes and lots of government welfare programs, the poor have no incentive to get ahead. After all, why work hard to pay lots in taxes when you can just take it easy and rake in the benefits of taxes imposed on others? On the other hand, the conservative worldview gives poor people the incentive they need to become the best people they can be. With low taxes and only minimal government assistance, the needy can have the hope of a bright future through hard work. Liberals offer no such hope. They want you to beg the government for the rest of your life. A taste of freedom can be a powerful thing. By lowering taxes, incentivizing hard work, and breaking the chains of government dependency, we can continue to create a better future for America's poor and working class. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For the U.S. economy to flourish, free enterprise needs to be rewarded. Competition and capitalism need to be encouraged. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find alerts and strategies for strengthening our economy and standing against socialism. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, so let me give you what you can do. I've been talking about what's happening. People keep asking what you can do. Here's my encouragement. Go to stop the ste- excuse me, stopthesteal.us, and there's a way for you to contact senators. And you can contact the senators and say, please join Congressman Mo Brooks in Alabama in lodging a formal protest to the Electoral College because of fraud so that we can have this debate on January 6th. If you do that, you go to stopthesteal.us, actively something you can do. Don't worry about it being just your senator. Do it to all the Republican senators. Do the same thing if you want to the congressman, Republican congressman in your state. Say, hey, join Congressman Mo Brooks in lodging this complaint. We now think we have seven House members who will join Mo Brooks, Congressman Brooks from Alabama. We need more. We need more. We need We need 100. We need 50. We need 100. We need people from all of all sides, all stripes to sign on and be a part of it. And because that's the facts, that's what we need. So we should um, you can do that. There's a concrete thing you can do. Go to stopthesteal.us. The second thing you can do is go on your social media accounts and see if you can find uh, today's press conference. Go to stopthesteal.us. Go to my Twitter feed at Eagle Ed Martin. When you find that, forward it on to other people. It's 29 minutes long. It's very solid, very crisp, uh, good talks, and importantly, even though I think my talks were very good, but I think I answered a couple of questions. More importantly, and really, I'm being serious, the three patriots who are electors who stood up there and were are willing to put themselves out as people who protest against things. You know, they get all get attacked. They all get slurred by the media. They, the left comes after them. So uh, please go find that. Check it out. Be encouraged and encourage other people. Spread the word to other people. Tell other folks what you saw, what you see, and what's going on, because that's what you can do. So those are the two things I'm asking you to do. Go to stopthesteal.us, contact senators, contact congressmen, congresswomen, tell them, hey, stand with Congressman Mo Brooks, be a part of January 6th protesting the Electoral College, keep fighting. And the second thing is go find the uh, find the press conference today. Uh, search for my Twitter feed, Ed Martin. To search for uh, uh, the the Arizona Congress um, state rep, wonderful guy named Anthony Kern K E R N. Uh, follow him, find him. He'll you'll find it on there. And uh, get yourself clued in to what's going on because it is so important to spread the word. Okay. Now what's happening is remember the 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 um, death by a thousand cuts is what you do in politics. In this case, you know, kind of mute 
mute the people, you know, uh, mute us by a thousand lacks of coverage. Boy, that's a terrible, I did a terrible thing there. But my point is just over and over again, they're trying to beat us down. Don't give in. Be hopeful, be encouraged, be strong and fight back and don't worry. I mean, there's a lot going on in the country and a lot of things happening and be strong, okay? Because we've got a lot of good things happening and we've got uh, this thing. There's still more things to break. We've got just under, uh, just over a month and we'll see what happens. By the way, on December 20, on December 23rd, a new attorney general comes in. It'll be interesting to see what the new attorney general does, because I have a feeling he is going to be under some uh, encouragement by the president to do some more things more aggressively on a bunch of fronts. So we'll see what that is. All right. Thank you, as always, to our great technical director, Noah, for his great programming and help and assistance with the program. Thank you to Joanna for uh, helping get great guests and booking the show. We will be back tomorrow. And make sure visit ProAmericaReport.com to keep up on all that's going on. And also, uh, please go to uh, my Twitter feed at Eagle Ed Martin. Share this with other people. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report back tomorrow. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.